Yeah, I don't know, man. You ever just feel like life is just catapulting towards like, some greater purpose? The only DJ crazy enough to tattoo Jackie Brown on his ass. This is Michael Mann, and I ride with extended clip. Now that you called me a baby, I will put my glass underneath the table. Yeah, JT kind of, he kind of, I walked in, didn't like, didn't really say hello to them. I poured myself a glass of water, put it down on the table. He's like, could you put that down on the second level so it doesn't, you know, the wires don't spill it over. Fancy JT yeah. with his three story coffee table. <laughs> you think, are we not good enough friends to where I could spill shit on your furniture in your your table the furniture is fine you can spill whatever you want on there it's the precious precious equipment oh true yeah. the, the podcasting <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that's true that's true well you know i take back what i said then jt that was a yeah was an appropriate measured response it's like how in uh in smiles of a summer night when count malcolm says you know uh, you can sleep with my wife but don't touch my mistress and then reverses it uh later on you know you can destroy my friend's furniture but the second it gets in the way of the podcasting equipment, I, I do have to step in. That's fair. And I was just thinking how similar it was to uh, Smiles of a Summer Night myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about how similar that situation was to that movie we watched as well. That's what happens when you watch a movie. You apply it to your everyday life. I was kept calling the songs. of. I thought it was Songs of a Summer Night. Mm, and you I kept would be looking wrong. It up. I mean, yeah. Count Malcolm. I was like, it was like seeing you up there on the screen. That's military like, how Malcolm could I tell? Yeah. <laughs> True. It was <laughs> Sergeant <laughs> Get your hands off my wife. Take forty. Forty push ups. That's probably everyone's favorite. Uh, <laughs> Military Malcolm is a beloved character. Only available on the Patreon until now. No, I thought we had it. Military Malcolm, it's I feel like he first was times. on the main feed. <laughs> for, anyway. this, for this film podcast, I'm sure everyone listening loves the military Malcolm bit. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Extended Clip. It's episode 116. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm. I'm JT. And wow, you guys went casual there. First name basis. You know, I think we've developed a relationship with our listeners at this point. You know, I I, I looked up my name on Google because you know, just to see if like the podcast would show up, and like nothing concerning like my Twitter or the podcast shows up. Kind of okay. interesting. Wait, I'm going to rescind the JT and it's I'm Mr. White. Mr. White. I'm going to have a more formal <laughs> relationship with the viewers. Yeah, can you, if you if you guys like like send us a message like an email or just a reply just make sure it's Mr. Get a mister in there. Maybe throw a doctor in there. Why not? You don't know what we're up to. <laughs> That's true. By the time we receive that message, one of us could have finished a postgraduate degree. Yeah, true. I might be on my doctor shit. You never know. <laughs> Dr. Malcolm. <laughs> Our double feature this week, uh, Smiles of a Summer Night, the 1955 film by Ingmar Bergman, and Mamma Mia, the 2008 adaptation of the jukebox musical featuring the songs of abba by philida lloyd um you know welcome to sweden what else can i say is this what like sweet who's who's probably the most swedish here racially i want to say maybe me but i'm not even i'm not no yeah, yeah. i don't think any of i i was just gonna say i don't really like I don't know. I don't know much about Sweden, I guess, besides, you know, maybe Bergman. I guess maybe I learned a little bit. Well, I guess Mamma Mia said in, in Greece. Yeah, it is. So, 
But, but it features the music <laughs> of one of Sweden's great if exports. There's a connection. It's like ABBA is like horny, and so is Bergman. So maybe they do a lot of fucking up up, up there in Sweden. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, you know, they I hadn't the- thought about it like that, but I guess that is the connective tissue of this week's podcast. Someone check the population rates over there. Sorry. Sex. <laughs> Has it gone up or down since Bergman retired? <laughs> and does Bergman's <laughs> Island have anything to do with that? Yeah, people are always uh, people are always talking about how Bergman's movies are so like depressing, and it's like, oh, people kill themselves because of it. But you know, we saw one this week where people might want to reproduce because of his movies. That's that's actually like, is there a story where like someone killed themselves because they watched a movie? Because that like reminds me of like. When like the teacher told you like don't tip your chair because like if you do you'll fall over and die. I saw that happen. To <laughs> don't watch once. a Bergman movie or you'll kill yourself. Wow, this is so <laughs> heavy-handed. I might. But you know what? I Wait, feel did like your teacher say that you would die from leaning back on your chair. Yeah, she told she told us a little story. She, this woman was. She pre- watched a child die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she was lying to me. She was kind of unhinged, but she said she said that like That's she, a very gendered term, Malcolm. I don't know if you know. Well, that. it was a very feminine spot. It's a type of unhingedness. What can I say? And uh, um, she would just tell long tales that like I remember one just complaining about like motorcycle noises in her neighborhood and. One was like how they don't eat fish in Japan anymore. It was, it was some good stuff in <laughs> retrospect, but uh, I, we were supposed to be studying during that time, and I couldn't, I couldn't get to my studies. Okay, I couldn't get to my. I was reading my cinema book, my Eisenstein, <laughs> even at that young of an age. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm trying to get back to the movies here, and she's like, they don't, they eat red, they eat McDonald's in Japan now. <laughs> it's like I don't care, I don't care. I'm in fourth grade. <laughs> So Ingmar Bergman, uh, he's an interesting director, right? Uh, one of the one of the big European art house masters. I'm not particularly a fan. I mean, I think Persona is great, but I had a, more of a rough go with stuff like Sawdust and Tinsel and The Seventh Seal and um, Winter Light. I was also not a fan of, but then this one comes around, and yeah, it really did it for me. It's a uh, it's a partner swapping, romantic, comedic uh, love affair of a farce, and it's yeah, it's the film that Woody Allen would later uh, remake into uh, a Midsummer Night's sex comedy. It is very playful, uh, very just like masterfully staged, uh, very beautifully shot, very like stark black and white, and lots of great deep focus work and. Yeah, I I, uh, I found it very pleasant. Yeah, me too. And I, I I guess I wouldn't go so far to say I dislike Bergman, but I feel like I just haven't found that thread where I was like, all right, I need to keep watching all of his movies. You know what I mean? I need to like really heavily consume this guy's work. And, you know, you don't have to be that way with everyone, I guess, right? You don't have to love everyone, you know? But uh, so, yeah, I gave, you know, watch this for the podcast. And it is it, like, of course, I think I've seen some of his more popular work that's you know, more associated with the tone that, he, you know, he's known for, maybe kind of a more depressing tone. And so, yeah, just kind of going the more comedic sides of things, like like even um, um, more so than other comedies made at the time, of course there's other directors to contrast, but there's still like kind of a, a visual mastery going on here that's maybe a little bit tighter than your average screwball and just like little, you know, uh, camera and structural decisions that... You know, kind of, uh, of course, this is a comedy, but it's still a very uh, well-constructed film. And, you know, JT, what did you think about it? I mean, I'm glad this guy just, like, finally lightened the fuck up for once. (laughs) Just, like, 
someone get this guy a freaking doobie or something. <laughs> I think Bergman, <laughs> I don't know. I like, honestly, I feel like I probably like him the most mm-hmm. out of the three of us, but it had been a while. Like, Wild Strawberries was the first, like, non English movie I watched. Uh, when I was younger, and I really uh, connected to that, and I did a few of the hits, but I really wasn't sure how this was going to connect with me, because I watched something like uh, The Magician, and I feel like sometimes, I don't know, he's just a little, like, a little stuffy, and at first, in the first little half of it, I want to say maybe like 15 minutes, I was like feeling it out, I wasn't sure if I was exactly on board, but it won me over because of the I know great staging, uh, great composition. It does get pretty damn funny with it too. Yeah, no, it definitely like takes a, a slow burn toward like a, everything kind of falling apart in a very comedic fashion, and you know all of the uh, just w- once it sets all the chess pieces on the board, it becomes a much more funny movie. It, it, like you do have to sit with that first, I guess two or one and a half reels or whatever of just pure exposition to place all the pieces on the board. But once you get rolling. It is very fun. So, what are those pieces? Uh, you got Frederick. He, he's the he's the man of the house. He's a lawyer who are just the scum of the earth. If you ask a uh, military Malcolm, uh, <laughs> a, a count in the uh, Swedish military, and this is a period piece too. It takes place in like around the turn of the century. I think the the portrait that he gets of his young wife is dated 1905. So. Frederick has a young wife or a child bride, as some characters call her. Well, that's I think that's one one thing in terms of the dialogue I thought was hilarious. His wife is always referred to as like, oh, yeah, he's got a young wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You haven't met his young wife? <laughs> it's kind of like the good wife, but she's young. Yeah, it's the young wife or the child bride, as one character refers to her a few times. Uh, but that is Anne. And uh, she also has, or sorry, he has a son from a previous marriage, and that would be uh, Enrique. And that dude wants to, you know, be a man of the cloth. He wants to join the church, but eh, he's having he's having some temptations, as any growing boy would. Um, you know, t- temptations not exactly helped by Petra, the maid who's you know uh, flopping around the Got house. Got a real juicy set on her. Yeah, yeah, just swinging her hips all over the place. He tells her like, "You gotta stop. <laughs> you gotta stop walking <laughs> like that. You're making me all horned up. It's fucked up, man." That's what's funny about the priest character. You know, obviously, like he puts his horniness into like not being horny. He tries to be like horny for not being horny. But it just doesn't like you it know. It doesn't work. Doesn't it's never going to work. It's, it's not, never not a good solution. Work. You know, I mean, we all you know, kind of an unsung thing of the cloth. You know, a lot of priests they go through their slut phase. You know what I mean? So maybe he just needed to have like a year or a rum springer or two, and then get back to it. Get back to hitting the books. I'm glad the rum springer was uh, brought up. Uh, in addition to that, the main family unit, uh, Frederick's messing around. Uh, trying to sneak out and see this actress who he saw in a play with his wife for a little bit and hadn't been with for a long time. Uh, Her name is Desiree, and he, uh, you know, has a little tryst with her, but then finds out she's also the mistress of this military guy, Count Malcolm. And uh, he also has a wife, but he's like, I don't know, as I said earlier, he's like, you know, you could, my wife can sleep with another man, but man, if another man comes near my mistress... Uh, I become a tiger. (laughs) 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 And uh, yeah, he has his wife, Countess Charlotte, 
and uh, yeah, I don't know. They all they all take a weekend at Desiree's mom's mansion, and you know, partner swapping and deception and lust and comedic uh, hijinks ensue for the last you know forty five to fifty minutes of the movie. I mean, I just love the construction of this because I feel like you like you get what pairings are going to happen like pretty like mm-hmm. like pretty early on because it's like oh the old flames are going to wind up together. Uh, the young people are going to run off, and uh, the the cheating spouses are going to reunite. But the way it unfolds, I don't know, is all really elaborate and uh, pretty funny. I just love the, um, I don't know, the way Enrique ends up fulfilling everyone's uh, stepmom fantasy. It's <laughs> just, uh, it's really perfect. It like you get like a little like early glimpse of them like kind of connecting. And then once it's finally out in the open, they just fucking bolt. I, I really do think it's funny, you know, this dynamic between Henrik and Fred, Frederick or whatever, where like there seems to be zero love between them like, no. <laughs> whatsoever. Like even at the beginning, you could just tell how like, like it seems like his dad is flaunting his young wife over him or something. Constantly big timing him. Yeah, it's like I'm gonna go sleep with my wife right now. <laughs> Sorry if we're gonna leave you alone. And it's and the funny details that like he's also not consummated the marriage mm-hmm. as well. So you know he's he's kind of in a weird position. You know maybe not a bragging position. Yeah, his but. young wife is too afraid to <laughs> fuck an old man. <laughs> that's the, I mean that's what's funny about like. Uh, you know, the ending, it's kind of just like, well, I guess maybe what should have been naturally happening in the beginning just yeah. naturally happens. I mean, hey, man, yeah. you throw a piece of furniture to get stuck under there and you got yourself a number one internet adult film. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of, you know, it's kind of the opposite. You know, if we're going to, you guys brought up the stuck stuff, not me. Okay. And, uh, um, you know, it's kind of the opposite of stuck porn or what, not that I've watched it, but like, you know, if someone gets stuck, I would have to assume where it's, she's kind of freed from the wall. When he presses the, which is a fun feature in this movie where there's like a room where you press a button and a bed pops out and they're like little Cupid rings a bell or some, you know, something. Yeah, like the, the wall of two adjoining rooms uh, lifts and the bed transports from one room to the other so you can have basically sex on demand. <laughs> <laughs> pretty ridiculous. That's Yeah, that's a pretty, that's a dangerous button right there. But uh like I to speak on like kind of because like there's obviously two halves of this movie kind of the setting up of, of the pieces and then you know once they're on the vacation home kind of you know things kind of ensue but like just the in- interesting structural way um you know kind of exposition is let out like I love that scene between uh Frederick and Desiree when that you know you kind of first see him unite after Frederick sneaks out after his wife cries herself to sleep. He's like, I'm going to go see Desiree. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you could sign it. You could just see kind of the strain of their relationship, you know, where obviously the bad things are. And uh, so much is revealed in like kind of like that 20 minutes and kind of that decision to kind of spend more time over there. You get that kind of nice, sweet, funny moment where he falls into the lake and like she's laughing at him. And uh, then, of course, you know, military Malcolm knocks on the door and kind of. Uh, farces that situation up so like yeah. I, I just i love i love that whole sequence of events there i love how he's just like <laughs> he's like look you you know I, only one person could be like i have a wife but this girl is for one person only and it's secondary for me <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, once all the pieces are together, uh, and they're all, you know, gallivanting around the courtyard and then they have dinner together and everyone's shot in like couples and they purposely arrange the seating to, you know, bring up some flirtations and, uh, one character like places a bet against another one's, you know, resisting temptation. And I don't know. I love the way that that scene is shot everyone in couples, except for Desiree's mom who gets this like slightly wider (laughs) shot with like all of this, uh, table fancy table dressing around her just like you know like some sort of royal figure or whatever to the extent of after dinner she's just carried away by someone who works at the estate uh into the courtyard you just see a guy like carrying her around while people are walking around pretty funny i mean that that dinner scene is really funny too is they're kind of just talking about it's like it's like can can a man seduce any woman or something? It's like kind of like very great dinner conversations. Like can a guy fuck whenever he wants to? And then they're like, actually, it is the woman who fucks whenever she wants to. And then Malcolm's like, Malcolm's having none of that. He's like, nah, I'm nah. always on defense. I'm running fucking no, game. Offense, <laughs> He's never playing defense. <laughs> but yeah, I I just like uh. And like kind of um, how like, sir, yeah, like there's the bet beforehand and how everyone's in- intentions are just so kind of like sin- like either sinister or like confused or I mean, I guess it's a perfect setting for a farce. And you could you, know, you already tell people are people are horned up. You know, they're talking about, uh, you know, the special wine elixir that you drink, you know, a little bit of a seed of the bowl. That's one of or, my favorite scenes, honestly, yeah, when yeah. They're, they're just doing this long dragged out toast over the wine where like the <laughs> it just becomes this like hypnotic tone and then it like it cuts to the grandma licking her fingers. <laughs> it's just <laughs> so weird. And then, you know, uh doesn't Henrik he like freak he like drinks the glass and then he just shatters it. He's mm. like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> they give him another one and then he throws that one against the wall. <laughs> Is that like where there's one point where I think there's like a really intense music cue in that scene. I mean, I, I like how that's used, uh, especially for like, I think Frederick gets like a, a handful of these where like it'll just cut to Frederick and the music gets super dramatic. It's so fucking funny. Yeah. Really, and like kind of just Frederick's fate in this movie. It's just kind of you know, of course, you know, a little bit, a little bit down, but it is it is funny, you know what I mean? Just kind of like ends up playing Russian roulette with a guy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like at the beginning, it kind of seems like he's the man, you know what I mean? In maybe not the most positive way, but like he has it all together. He has it all together. Like he overhears like the maid being like, "Your dad," like to Henrik's, like your dad's kind of hot. Like when he looks, I mean, like he just takes that information in and goes about his day. He's like, "Oh, that's nice," but and then, and then up to the point where it's like, "Well, now your son stole your wife." And you're you're willing to shoot your shoot yourself dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Russian roulette part is pretty funny. Uh, it's revealed that it's like the gun was loaded with soot, I guess. But the duel between Malcolm uh, or Count Malcolm, I want to be proper here, uh, and Frederick is respect great. titles here. We respect uh, titles and laws in other countries. I love the way Bergman lets the joke kind of play out too. Like you hear the bang, you see the reaction from the women, then you get a shot from their point of view where you have the count like hovering with the gun through the window, kind of just looking like an like an old timey villain. <laughs> 
It's like I was for a second there. I was, I was like, "Is this sad motherfucker gonna ruin this farce and yeah. like muck it up with a serious death?" But of yeah. course not. I, I mean, if he killed himself too, I, I mean, it would be pretty funny. Maybe I'm just so <laughs> twisted and dark, but I think that'd be funny as well. It would but, be a dark twist of fate, but a funny one. And I think what's and what, who else but the clown prince of <laughs> darkness, <laughs> Ingmar Bergman, to deliver such <laughs> dark <laughs> twist? Uh, uh, he was edgy, but not in a funny way. You were kind of right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, that's that scene where it's it seems like you know uh, uh, Frederick has killed himself. What's great about that is that Bergman tries to sell it to you too that he actually has. You know, he tries to put you in the outsider's perspective, and you know they're just throwing a little print, or I guess Malcolm was just throwing, <laughs> throwing a little, <laughs> which makes it even better that the other guy's not yeah. in on it. You know? It reminded me also by the end of it, like uh, the the desperation that he has and the willingness to play Russian roulette, even like uh, you know an hour earlier he would not have accepted that duel. <laughs> Uh, it it kind of reminds me of the uh, the ski lodge episode of Frasier, uh, where like the the ski instructor Guy gets involved in the the bedroom farce, and at the end of it, Frasier is just like all of the lust, all of the sexual tension, and none of it was for me. <laughs> yeah, you could have just put tossed salads and scrambled eggs over the end credits to this, and just let it roll, baby. It does feel like some of the more sexual episodes of there are yeah. like a good handful of episodes of Frasier where it's like. Niles and Fraser are at some vacation house and they have to like scramble through doors as they try to fuck a you know a woman and it just it just doesn't work out. <laughs> hey man, it never works out. Once you get like three or more rooms, you're you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, every, I or you just gotta stay sober. No one ever stays sober in these farces. Don't go on couples vacations. <laughs> I was say, dude, it might it might turn into a straight farce. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. I I think like other than Persona, this is probably my favorite Bergman that I've seen of the like half dozen or whatever. Uh, I, I'm gonna go four bullets on this one. Oh, also, I we didn't mention at all what happens with Petra, uh, the the maid who goes with and just oh, ends yeah. up hooking up with that that big oaf character Freed, who's pretty awesome, and they just like hang out at a windmill for the last thirty minutes, uh, talking about the thematics of the title, and it's it's actually really nice. No, yeah, I, I like that too. You know, I don't know why I like that. You know what I mean? But uh, um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but subconsciously I like that decision by him. But it was, you know, it, it, you know, it is kind of nice to have get outside of the farce for a while because we love farce, we love spinning wheels. But sometimes you like to stand back and watch those wheels spin. Mm. Um, wow! <laughs> mm-hmm. How many bullets? Three and a half. Bullets. I, I I like this a good amount. JT, what about you? I'm going three and a half bullets as well. I don't know. Those nice little moments, there's some rolling around in the hay outside yeah. of it all. Fun. Hey, what a fun that's movie. Fun. That's old-fashioned fun, man. If you if you can't like that, If you on. don't like rolling around in the hay, <laughs> stop listening to the podcast. True. <laughs> yeah, get back to the city. You know what? Actually, we're, we're going to take a break right now. And, you know, while we're on break, go roll around in the hay. See if you don't change your mind. <laughs> And we're back on extended clip. It's Malcolm in the middle. Life is unfair. Malcolm, you seen anything good this week? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I watched this movie called Fast Walking, one word with a hyphen. Um, 
directed by James B. Harris. James B. Harris only has a handful of movies he directed himself, but um, was one of Kubrick's, like worked with Kubrick real heavy, I think was like, uh, was an assistant director or was like worked heavily on his movies in a certain capacity. And kind of the movies, I guess James B. Harris are most famous for are kind of the two movies he did in the eighties. Oh, I guess he, he had a Wesley Snipes cop movie in the nineties, but he did these two movies with James Woods in the eighties that are both kind of sleazy and they both involve, um, officers of the law cop. I think I've mentioned here before a wonderful movie, but this fast walking woods plays, he's like a prison guard and he has a cousin in there who is a white supremacist and wants to take over the drug game. And on the side, James Woods likes to do a little pimping. So, you know, kind of in a a turn of events, you know, his cousin keeps an eye on him by sending his wife to, you know, go fuck him basically. And, uh, so you kind of have that and kind of James Woods trying to avoid all the nastiness of a white supremacist drug dealer while still trying to make money off of him. And I don't know, there's just a, um, these movies are pretty sleazy, you know, Mm -hmm. they're, um, they're not, you know, they don't really, uh. There's no really kind of consider like a thoughtful considerations to, for how to treat the characters that all, all of them are pretty, you know, pretty brutal people. And even kind of James Woods kind of being the closest thing to a likable guy in this movie is obviously doing some bad things. But he's smo- he's smoking weed almost in every scene, which is kind of mm-hmm. a weird like he's smoking weed as a like a prison guard in front of his boss, who's Emmett M. Emmett Walsh, who's in on in, on the pimping thing. And as said on Letterboxd, but you might not have pressed it because i put a spoiler you do see his penis in that movie and i don't know i kind of got me thinking uh mm at walsh never expected i thought you know never even crossed my mind like i'm gonna see this guy nude one day yeah is it a big penis uh to be i mean well he's probably soft yeah he was soft he was soft i i don't i'm not gonna say small you know i'm gonna be honest i didn't pause i didn't pause and stick around i kind of kept it moving (laughs) i mean you don't have to pause you can just clock it true that's okay no, I was true. just curious. It was, I just it like w- to do a little reporting. The shot, it's not like they luxuriated it. <laughs> nice, you know, little, you know, camera angles to it. It was just, you know, it was dark too. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I love these kind of, I think James Woods gives great performances in these James B. Harris's movies. This one's a little bit more nuanced too because he's kind of playing like a, a, a different type of skeezy guy. Not like a mm. just a, a breakneck skeezy guy. Just like a guy trying to slither through the cracks. And, you know, just for that, I, I like it. You know, it's 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 a, a monster voodoo like movie in that it's all about that. The hustle continues. You know what wow. I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, you're slithering. You're going through cracks and crevices. Maybe you're killing the older woman. You, you know, you claim to be marrying. It's not the right thing to do, but you got to keep moving on. You got to keep working. So fast walking. Let's keep working. What about you guys? Well, before I talk about uh, the delightful film. Uh, that I watched this week. I wanted to mention, uh, if you're a fan of penis sightings in movies, maybe you should pay $2, and you'll hear about one in next week's Patreon uh, to live and die in L.A. I'm not sure if you fellas clocked this. Uh, I I was sitting right next to you. Absolutely. It was uh, William Peterson's uh, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sin. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Peter's yeah. in the movie. I had to do yeah. a collection. <laughs> like, wait, 
Oh yeah, yeah. Remember that. But maybe you'll maybe I'll bring that up again when we're recording the Patreon. There's only one way to find out. Two dollars if you're cheap, five dollars if you love us. Um it's a really good investment. I think uh it's only gonna become a better investment That's later true. on. There we're adding is. more episodes by the hour. I don't know about that. It's kind of like a stock. Like <laughs> yeah, it if, is. If, like, you, if you buy into the Patreon, it's like buy low, sell high. Exactly. We might we might raise the subscription and then you could go and sell that <laughs> yeah, to someone who wants to pay a lesser price for the Patreon for us. So. Or once we're at like tens of thousands of dollars, you can That's drop true. your subscription because I won't need to beg then. That's true. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Patreon.com slash extended clip. Um, but yeah, I also watched a movie um, this week. I watched uh, What Time Is It There uh, by our old friend Simon Ling. And it was a great, uh, great movie. I feel like a lot of the early size that I've seen have like a weird... Uh, a magical quality to them especially like i mean things like the whole the ending here really does that and i think it like can kind of counterbalance like how just fucking bleak his movies are like in this one in particular it feels like everyone's just grieving and i mean like all of his movies like the characters are just i don't know just so isolated from everything else and you can tell that in these like just beautiful shots where especially we have uh, uh, Lee Kang Shang uh, hawking watches. He's selling them and you can just see like overpasses uh, he's on just slamming his indestructible watch to either get people's attention or just because he doesn't give a shit. Um, and just you see like so much moving in the background and just he is so uh, dead inside. Uh, but despite that, I think like, I don't know, the... I don't want to spoil the ending, but I think it's like a weirdly beautiful and kind of optimistic quality to it. I don't know. I'm still parsing this one out. Uh, refresh my memory. Does that one have uh, 400 Blows Kid at the end? Yeah, that it does. One? Yeah, he's, okay, he's so not at the end. Yeah, he's not at oh, the, the end. end. He's like but. a Jean-Pierre Lode, which is we uh, something I did want to bring up as well. I was curious how he's gonna play into a Psy movie because this is a fucking big French New Wave movie star. It's not his only one, too. Like a sexy, handsome man, and just as uh, like, how is how's Psy gonna work with this? Um, and he just looks like old and just a, a real piece of shit. Yeah, it. I was gonna say he's not very he's not a very sexy, handsome man. Post you know whatever <laughs> year. Well, I mean, you can you can make him up, make him look a little bit nicer. He still has that bone structure, mm-hmm. but uh, there's the pieces are there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, if uh, you guys want to jump some old man's bones, fine by me. Just keep me. We're just giving him a, a little compliment. <laughs> <laughs> face. He's kind of. He has a bigger role in size. Face, which is a really good movie. Kind of a, a slept on one. I think he did that in collaboration with uh, the French Museum, like the Louvre or whatever. Is that one of his like non-narrative ones or? No, it has a narrative. It's kind of narrative. Okay. It's. I mean, it's it's loose, but. It's there. Eddie, what what did you watch? Oh, I watched a few movies, but the one I'm going to talk about is Smokey and the Bandit, the 1977 film by stunt driver turned auteur Hal Needham. Um, yeah, you know, I, the, I, I forgot who said it, uh, but basically the 
quote that uh, Bazan said about directors kind of making a film and then remaking it for the rest of their career applies to Hal Needham as much as it does any other filmmaker. Uh, basically, all he makes are movies about people driving fast cars, uh, getting from one place to another, sometimes having some hijinks in between. Smokey and the Bandit is quite good. You got Burt Reynolds and Jerry Reed. And Jerry Reed is also supplying the soundtrack. Uh, you got some great original tunes in there. And they just have to transport these cases of Coors across state line because in some states you got Coors. In some states you don't got Coors and it's considered bootlegging. And, uh, you know, who's on their tail? Put Sheriff Buford T. Justice, uh, <laughs> played by Jackie Gleason, in one of the best performances I've seen in recent uh, memory. Just, uh, yeah, as good as it gets there. And, uh, yeah, they, they pick up Sally Field along the way, a runaway bride who is, of course, taken with Burt Reynolds's effortless charisma and sexuality. Um, <laughs> and it's just like a movie about driving fast, using a CB radio, and uh, getting away from cops. And it's just 96 minutes of that. So with the Coors thing, is all alcohol illegal at this point? Or, th- or do people just really want... They just Coors. really want Coors. I like, it's about yeah. like uh, contraband crossing state lines kind yeah. of thing, you know? Uh, and uh, so, yeah, they're just bootlegging. I like I like that Like people have a beer preference that strong that yeah. like, it's like, <laughs> fuck that, I'm drinking Coors only. Yeah. So, and I like that that's like sparks the plot of the movie. I got to check that out. Oh, yeah. I mean, some people, such as Big Enos and Little Enos, have a high <laughs> demand for Coors. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll, hire, uh, they'll hire a former race car driver to make that run for them. That's it's so I, I'm. It's funny how funny I find Big Enos, Little Enos. <laughs> oh, trust that's, me. That's <laughs> once, once you lay eyes on them, it'll be even funnier. <laughs> that's amazing. That's great screenwriting right there. <laughs> it really is when you think about it. It's a really bare bones movie, but every opportunity for a gag is pretty much fulfilled there. Yeah, we'll be right back on extended clip. Harry Bright. Fuck, you got me. I got you. I got I got Malcolm off mic and none of you will ever fucking know how. Thank God. I mean it might Thank just God. come up again during this segment, but welcome back to Extended Clip. Mama Mia. There's an exclamation point at the end. I have to say it like Zach Lowe. <laughs> Mama Mia on the low post. Uh, I could I could do twenty five minutes on Zach Lowe's podcast cadence. It's insane how much I think about his cadence. Um, This was a jukebox musical of the stage that was brought to life uh, by Philida Alloy. Uh, Every time... Philida does not sound natural coming out of your mouth. I keep wanting to say Philidia. Philidia? But no, it's not. Unless there's an I that snuck in there. There is an I in there. Oh, boy. <laughs> I guess I, uh, when I was writing it down from the screen, I kind of <laughs> fudged the handwriting a little bit. Honest mistake. Honest mistake. We all make mistakes. Yeah. What are you going to get on him for making a mistake? Uh, but, you know, it, it wasn't just like you, you 
fucking the corpse of Abba. Uh, Benny and Bjorn were involved at a production level. It's a, you know, there's some really nice, like, reworking of classic Abba compositions here, uh, like, slight reworking with some pretty terrible vocal tracks laid on top. Uh, And, it's it's a fun time. It's like watching a bunch of like handsome celebrities do karaoke, and that's I don't know. That's fun. <laughs> I mean, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I look. I I I'm not fully on the island with this one quite yet. Uh, 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 <laughs> it's funny how islands just have a connotation. <laughs> oh, you're gonna go to an island for vacation? <laughs> hey, it, Greece is where all that shit started. I mean, yeah. It was they they called it ancient wisdom. but uh if you don't know the setup of the movie um you got amanda seyfried she's about to get married doesn't know who her dad is her mom kind of not exactly giving her too many you know giving her three options uh not exactly narrowing down the field Uh, so she invites those three men played by pierce brosnan uh stellan skarsgård and colin firth and uh, them, alongside Meryl Streep and her buddies and, you know, Seafried's buddies, they uh, they sing a bunch of ABBA songs about, you know, their, their intertwining family hijinks. And they find out a little bit about love and family along the way, don't they? <laughs> that's so true. It, it's, do you think Stellan Skarsgård, that's just Swedish representation right there? For, oh, you got to put him on yeah. there. Yeah, just for the sake, like, Benny and Bjorn were just like, all right, you got to get one Swede in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, even if it's one who cannot sing to save his fucking life. <laughs> I feel like they don't even, like, I, I barely remember him. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He has, like, three lines of singing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, you know, you got to play, play to your strengths. And, yeah. uh, you know, I kind of... When I was first watching this, it took me a while to get into this movie. I yeah. do have to say, you know, and uh, but I, I did end up enjoying it like uh, to a certain amount. And but it is, it is I don't I'm trying to voice my frustration with it in a diplomatic way. And I I guess I, I've done a poor job. You as can a be undiplomatic. Well, true. Well, I guess it's just a little too. Yeah, I guess the singing isn't that good, right? Like the yeah the solo like the solo stuff, and I I guess I know it's I'm not saying that's part of the fun, but it's like it's it's supposed to be a goofy yeah musical, you know what I mean? It leans into its artificiality and its lack of like prestige level quality. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I guess it's just it's, I don't it's, it you just don't enjoy it leaning into that. I, I yeah I guess I well yeah I. I guess I, I, I have trouble. Sometimes... You'd I, rather hear those ABBA classics, I guess, just straight up. Don't get me wrong. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I think once they... Like, whenever they go to a chorus and it's a bunch of people singing, I'm like, all right. Oh, yeah, because they're disguising these actors <laughs> yeah. with studio singers who actually know how to hit notes and stuff. And, it, and it's such a musical... I mean, and for a musical, you want this, of course. Such a, So many musical sequences. Mm-hmm. Very musical-heavy movie. Pretty much everything is like emotions, like they're primarily expressed through a musical sequence. There's not kind of like not one emotion I feel that they leave to dialogue. And I guess if the singing were better, I would enjoy that more. But I don't know, sometimes I need a little break. I, I might be a controversial opinion, but it's. Well, there's there's like two songs they're singing to uh, cheer Mel Streep up. You know what I mean? It's like it could be it could be one song, but you know, <laughs> I I don't want to rain on anyone's parade. No, I get you. <laughs> I mean, I think of the non-singing scenes. Most of them are 
really just like trying to get you to that next song in yeah. a way that you can sometimes really feel like in the beginning <laughs> when it's uh Seafried and her friends like singing the the diary entries uh as the first track uh and, and like after that you get some dialogue that just feels like it's a lead into a song but it's not and it just reveals that the dialogue in this is going to be really stilted and like weirdly rhythmic but not like an actual song <laughs> like it's really i don't know the dialogue was very trying to me uh but also like some of it still kind of works as bridges like there there's one scene early on like very expository uh, as the first 20 minutes you see the three potential fathers just approaching the island for 20 minutes <laughs> uh, but during their approach uh you have like the instrumental uh of like one part of waterloo playing as they're like driving around the, the, the women are driving around the island and stuff and i was like all right these are some good vibes without it being like a musical number but they're kind of few and far between it really works for me, the fact that they just bump from song to mm-hmm. song. I think that keeps the energy high and, like, it's like a wine mom kind of a vibe. Yeah, they it's like a lush. It is. It is. And uh, I can I can really get down with that. These old broads just enjoying getting dick down. Like, that's, that's fun. They're having a great... I mean, that did take, like, I think that's the biggest stretch of the cinematic, uh, like, imagination there that Meryl Streep <laughs> is catching all this good dick. <laughs> Um, but she's a beautiful woman. Um, I don't know. <laughs> maybe I would, back in the day. Maybe in the day. Maybe in the day, perhaps. But uh, I don't know. It's dumb and fun, and there are a lot of I don't know. A lot of the bits really work for me. Like seeing in that moment where she like discovers that they're all there, seeing them like dressed up as young fellows. It's a stupid bit, yeah. but I I like it. I yeah. I I don't want to say like, like I didn't not, like dislike this movie entirely, and there are just like funny aspects to it i like that the movie's playing into them like uh i love that like all these three dudes just immediately become good friends yeah and just kind of chill <laughs> on the island the rivalry here yeah just boys just boys like, being boys that they hang like they hang out hard like they're yeah. just all chilling on a boat together like it's just it's just a i don't know the funny kind of like uh i guess suspension of reality stuff it, it is fun. like it is fun like there's I feel I'm taking a weird stance on this movie. I feel like I'm trying to justify it. You know, every time like I dislike a movie, I'm always hesitant to say so. But. Yeah, you can say you don't yeah, you like can Mama dislike Mia. a movie. It's okay no, to be I a know. grown man <laughs> and not I'm, enjoy Mamma Mia. <laughs> is it nowadays? Wow! <laughs> wow! I just I, I it's a pro movie podcast through and through. So. Oh, I mean, we love the movies, <laughs> yeah. but, yeah. you know, sometimes we don't like movies. I, I think this is like overall a success at what it's trying to do, even if. I found myself going back and forth between like really enjoying uh, just the music of ABBA set to very like, you know, the basic goofy and sometimes very fun uh, studio visuals that are sometimes very sloppy. Like some of the direction of this is does leave quite a bit to be desired but then some of the choreography is good i think the voulez-vous sequence yeah. is awesome oh, everyone yeah. just spinning in all these different directions and You know, the, the, I guess the continuity of the editing really flies out the window on that, but in the best way possible. Uh, and, and that's, of course, the scene where Seafried realizes, uh, or not really realized, she knew the whole time any three of these guys could be her father, but the three men realize it in that scene. 
And yeah, it, it's just like also a song that has a lot of group vocals rather than <laughs> one voice being singled out because yeah, it's it's a very defining thing of just like one voice being singled out and me not enjoying the music as much. <laughs> and like there's certain sequences where like they'll start out kind of like with the solo voices and then it'll delve into more of a group thing. And mm-hmm. whenever it goes group, it's just more fun. Like I don't really get off to seeing these two characters what any of the characters kind of sing to each other like but i like the bombast of these musical sequences yeah. like an e- example is when Seafried and her fiance they have like a little small musical number mm-hmm. after visiting you know her potential fathers on the boat and like you know just, just hearing this guy sing sing that it's just it's hard yeah. to get through but then his you know his boys roll through yeah. for for like this bachelor party music sequence and they all start like dancing on the pier and you're like okay this is this is good musical fun this is bombast this is kind of what i look for more in musicals rather than two people kind of just singing to each other yeah, yeah i think the one on one thing gets a little better toward the back half though like i yeah. think the last couple uh streep and brosnan numbers actually do really work for me like and, i think those yeah. are two of the stronger ones I'll, I'll go back and say that the first drop of dancing queen i think is really good because it starts just the three girls goofing off in the room Mm -hmm. and then like after the or i guess it starts right on the chorus too this rearrangement of it that like skips the little intro and then like do a verse and then they just take it outside and just the whole fucking village is following them and you know the choreography is super basic and (laughs) nothing really to blow you away but uh it's it's a lot of fun you know and then later on you have uh meryl mugging it up during the winter takes it all with brosnan on this huge like hillside and it's it's a lot of fun you know and then they do sos and brosnan leading that with his like really having to belt it out despite not being good at that at all Mm -hmm. uh but i think his mugging just really works there like i think brosnan uh is probably my favorite aspect of this movie he just yeah his screen presence made me laugh so much throughout this movie (laughs) that's like the thing that i mean because i really like i like this um probably the most but if you fill this out with like some actors that have a little bit more charisma maybe a little bit more what i like Mm -hmm. maybe not casting for the mom crowd but i think you could really amp things up a whole lot, but I I under I respect the choices and why they're there. But Brosnan was for sure the most fun to see um, goofing off here. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that scene kind of encapsulates the general insanity of the movie, the SOS number, because it's just like. I don't know. It, it's clearly the kind of uh, one-on-one melodramatic climax of the movie, like the most big swinging scene like that uh, of like a one-on-one dynamic. Uh, and it's also some of the most glaringly awful vocal performance in the movie. But it's also just like the power of that song being so amazing kind of overwhelms the terrible lead vocal performance. And I, I mean, that also comes with listening to ABBA before you see this. Like it, it, if SOS as a song means nothing, nothing to you you're just like yeah this guy kind of sucks at singing the scene's kind of funny but if you've heard the song a billion times it kind of just still works i don't know yeah you're probably the least big abba head yeah i I didn't do my homework unfortunately i said i was going to listen to an album before this recording but so you're not you didn't come with your top five abba tracks i did not come (laughs) with my top five abba tracks. i did wow i i I, like was considering it and i didn't lock down but i could probably freestyle one jt what's your top five abba tracks all right i have it locked down here because I've gone back and forth uh, throughout the week, but Voulez-vous, number one. Number two, Money, Money, Money. Three, When All Is Said and Done. 
four gimme 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 and five does your mother know that's a good word i mean and we should clarify that it is gimme 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 parenthesis yeah a man after midnight uh, <laughs> all the abba heads already knew that of course <laughs> Um, in no order, I'm just going to say Eagle, SOS, Voulez-Vous, Thank You for the Music, and Dancing Queen. Uh, thank you for the music uh, over the end credits. Come on, just give me the real song. I can't uh, <laughs> listen to her and you thank you for the music. Like, that was just, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, that I was like the one time yeah. I actually got frustrated. <laughs> I think it's because the movie was over and you already have the end credit and the encore of Waterloo, which is a lot of fun. But, like, then you just get over credits, thank you for the music by Seafried, and you're just like, all right. Give me the real one. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about my statement earlier about how I, you know, I didn't like the constant, I guess, musical thing. And I guess it's just if the pacing just kind of feels weird to me because of it. And yeah. it's like, I think I've seen musicals do that before successfully, but maybe it's what you're talking about, Eddie, where it's like kind of like these transition scenes don't quite hit in a way that maybe, maybe they just feel so, so insignificant that like it just kind of messes with how i'm watching the movie but hey that's that's just what i saw you know what i'm sorry you got to sub out one of those songs for the name of the game i think you can't not have name uh, of the game on my top five it's just one of my favorite songs ever all right update your list anyone right Any, anyone, for anyone keeping score at home and for anyone else keeping score at home i'm gonna give this three bullets i think it's like there's just so much that i enjoyed and so much that i can't sign off on but i'm also just so glad that women have late period happy madison type movies of just like yeah, going okay. on vacation with your pals well and you know that's a good way to put you know maybe i should maybe i should be more sympathetic in that way mm -hmm. you know? i'm gonna go two and a half bullets i feel like i the way i talk about it is maybe more negative than i even let on because they're like there's yeah, just two and a half yeah, right down yeah, the middle yeah, gentlemen's yeah. two and a yeah, half and like there's just so much going on in this movie that like of course i'm gonna like some of you know it mm -hmm. is it like some of it's just super funny and like i feel like i guess another one-on-one -on -one, even though i kind of you know besmirched the one-on-one -on -one musical sequences the one between Scarsgard and what was her name and let's let's do a quick pull up and Julie Waters. And she does take a chance on yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's fun. You know, you see people chasing around and stuff yeah. like that. Gags. Uh, JT, what do you think? I'm going three and a half. It keeps up a fast enough pace for me where the stuff that I don't like, it just whizzes through. And uh, I was able to get on this frequency and enjoy the, the ride. I think the only thing I was missing was a glass of white wine. <laughs> I think if you drink like three glasses of wine within the first 30 minutes of this movie, you will see no flaws whatsoever. <laughs> That's probably yeah. like midday. You're singing along you know? with it too. Yeah. yeah. True. I had, a, I had a zero calorie monster before I watched this movie. So <laughs> that, that might have that might have affected my, you know, the way I watched it. I was like, I polished off the coffee from the morning and I had like half of a Diet Coke in the fridge from last night. It's a little Very bit flat. Sloppy. Very sloppy. <laughs> it was quite flat. <laughs> This is a sloppy viewing experience for me. I'll, but, I'll be the first to admit it. But, it, you know, that flat soda goes down easier. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know that it does. Soda secrets. Don't know that it does. <laughs> soda secrets. Soda secret of the day. If you have a soda secret to tell us about, write us at extendedclippodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we do have an email this week from Valerie. It says, hey, fellas, as I told you a while back, I'd run out of movie questions, but just recently the old movie question light bulb has gone off again 
In recent episodes, there have been questions sent in over JT going quote-unquote armed <laughs> mode by rating both The Goonies and I Am Legend a half star. And this leads into my question, what are the factors that lead you guys to rate a movie a half star? I found myself personally, it's from a boiling frustration over the movie where there isn't a single redeeming quality. Because most of the time with a movie, even if I hate it, I'll think, well, the wardrobes were at least nice, or something like that, and give it a one or one and a half. Interested to hear what you guys think. Sincerely, Valerie. Wow. The the half bullet rating, or the half star rating, if we're not on the podcast yeah. giving them out... Um, yeah, I, I don't have a specific criteria. I don't give many of them. I got to say, mm-hmm. I mainly give the one, like I, it's just the natural reaction for me to give the one. I think the half star is more of an ideological statement more than anything. Like the half star is reserved for like the parks and recreation zoom special reunion from last year <laughs> or like <laughs> Jojo rabbit or American beauty or uh, John Favreau's chef, you know? Uh, yeah, I think you know. I I think I don't think I've given a half star in a long while. I only ha- like I'm looking at my letterbox. I only have like twelve or thirteen. Yeah, most of mine yeah. are from when I first joined Letterboxd in 2015 and was just thinking like, what movies really suck? Yeah, uh, and yeah. it's just like the invention of lying was the first one I marked. <laughs> which half might, a star, which, which is one of the worst movies, which ever. is coming to the podcast. No, it is not. No, it is not. I'm looking at all my half stars and it's more, it's more like theatrical, like movies that came out recently that I saw in theaters. And I just, you know, would think that's have, such a huge waste of time. Like it was kind yeah. of more of like a, I consumer report. Kind yeah. Of it was thing. a consumer <laughs> report kind of thing. I went all the way to the movie theater, sat there for two hours, watched something I completely hated, didn't leave. <laughs> and, you know left the theater and that you know that can make you pretty sour um yeah like and i don't think i've given a half like my half stars are fairly uncontroversial as well it's like i think uh catherine hardwick's 13 kind of has a a cult you know is kind of beloved i guess in other corners that's probably the most controversial half star you're just out to get women directors no 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 no. that's not true i mean some of it is just yeah me filling in things that i hated as a kid even like looking at my half stars it's like cadet kelly (laughs) disney channel movie with hillary duff where she joins the military some childhood resentment yeah honestly i feel like i would probably get a uh, get a good laugh out of that one nowadays if i went back to cadet kelly but like a a day without a mexican was this uh mock doc that i watched in a political science class at community college uh very advanced political movie i gotta say i i remember watching like i was in like a screenwriting class and like the the teacher just randomly assigned or just showed like some Oscar winning shorts from that year, and like one of them is like about a guy doing like brown face to get like English lessons or whatever nice. or something like that. Like they were like pretty. There was another one that was like these movies are kind of like offensive. You know what I mean? Not to not to be that guy, but it was just like I don't know. It's it's so funny compared to like probably what gets nominated now. But this is like 2011, and there's like. <laughs> That type of stuff, you know, don't go to school because they'll show you racist stuff there. <laughs> I think Malcolm and I That's have great advice. I'm looking right now. <laughs> Malcolm and I have two half stars in common: Nocturnal Animals and Coney 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Coney 2012 should be a five star too, in a way. Like Mamma Mia, it did. It did like accomplish what it was setting out oh, to do. Oh, I mean, yeah, it got the word out. Got to, hey, it works. Don't fix it. Now, I think you're being a little harsh on Snow Dogs. <laughs> 
dogs. That's all I'm gonna <laughs> that, say about that. that. Watch Snow Dogs, like with that mentality. I'm watching a bullshit kids movie. It's gonna be stupid. You're still gonna be like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> this is this. Even if you lower your expectations down to the floor, it's still gonna be an awful experience. JT definitely has the most half it's, star ratings. Of he's all the arm. Well, that's why people oh, are saying he's on, going dude. arm in Ace mode. Ventura pet detective. I was just. It was all <laughs> like, okay. The political correctness <laughs> police have shown up. Apparently, it was all stuff that like I didn't. All I don't think I've given a half star like to anything I've watched since like having Letterboxd. It's all just. Movies. No, you I gave was... Monster Island half a star when we did it on the podcast. Which half is, a star? I gave that three. Yeah, like, I, I think can... that's a good movie. Yeah, that movie's good, bro. Yeah, that movie's good. Uh, but otherwise, you know, I understand most of these choices. You're just it's trying pretty to fill iconoclastic. Out the, uh, the half star. I Mrs. think it's Doubtfire. to send a point. Wow, I feel like you really kind of have it out for you know <laughs> films that break down gender barriers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I also like. I don't. I feel like I don't watch movies. I'm gonna dislike anymore. Like, yeah. It it mainly happened in school. Yeah. Like I was forced to watch a lot of bullshit. I used to like with movie pass, I'd be more willing to go see like a shitty movie in theaters. That, too. that that doesn't exist anymore. If I want to see a shitty movie, I have to pay like eighteen dollars to go see it. So I'm, I usually just stay home. So uh, no more half stars. Only we're only giving uh, movies their roses. <laughs> wow. <laughs> While they're still give mo- <laughs> You know what? I'm gonna go on a limb here. Give movies their roses while they're still here. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> JT. Anything you want to go Armand mode on before we sign off? Uh no. I've I've gone Armand mode Wait. too much recently. Speaking of Armand mode, I saw Armand tweet out like a review of like the new Olivia Rodrigo album, which is hilarious that he's reviewing <laughs> that. I wonder if he's gonna like it. But he in the review he tweeted out on Twitter and like tagged like Stan groups in the ats being like hey read, hey read this so <laughs> armin's truly one of the last brave critics She's out like there 16 year old girl right i i mean much li- unlike rob i didn't look into it. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't interested i was just like, imagining armand just like <laughs> going full armand mode as it were just like on a minor just like yeah. I, I, just I, blaming the culture <laughs> war on her i it's you know what? I'm gonna go she on a limb. She also could be a 40 year old industry yeah. plant. Who knows? Yeah. I'm gonna go on a limb. That's definitely happened before. So go find Absolutely. that. Absolutely. If, if, if you haven't seen. <laughs> um, we will be back next week. But in the meantime, you can check us out on Patreon. As we said earlier, it's two dollars a month for a bonus episode every week. Come on, uh, you can't beat that. All these other fucking podcasts. I see these other podcasts. Five? They're they're charging five dollars a month. They're they're racking it. They're you know. Uh, uh, backing in the money trucks, as it were. But also, if you have five dollars to spare, beep. Just saying, beep. if you're a big wig, if we you have know, six, if you have six, yeah, maybe ten. <laughs> maybe you, you, slap you can a big old, edit the pledge. Yeah, you, you can. can. You can give us ten dollars. You give us really fucking all twenty. I'm a, all I'm asking <laughs> is for two. All I'm asking is for two. We're getting. I don't want to say we're getting close. But we're not getting farther away from the three hundred dollar where we Patreon will goal. record. A commentary track on a movie to be determined at a later date by, by the, the fans, by, by the, the patrons. patrons, by the pa- that paid is right. patrons. That is right. We will have to set some fucking parameters there because <laughs> I'm not recording a commentary of a three-hour movie. But but invention set- of lying. Maybe that's on the oh, table. Yeah, maybe invention okay. of lying. You know what? I will watch it if we can talk over it. Uh, <laughs> it. I will watch a dog shit movie like that if we can talk over it. <laughs> It's um, written by your... Well, no, I'm not going to go there. Yeah, no. Uh, he is my friend, but come on. <laughs> not on the pod. <laughs> not a friend of the pod. He's a friend of mine. <laughs> Damn. Eddie Gillis over here. <laughs> 
But yeah, you can check us out there. Our most recent Patreon episode was on Takeshi Kitano's Fireworks or Hanabi, which is just a fucking classic. And next week, we are going to talk about uh, To Live and Die in L.A. by William Friedkin, which is also a fucking classic. Talk about a lot of cop movies on the Patreon, you know? Yeah. A lot of people talk about this copaganda stuff and, you know, it'd be like holding yourself responsible for watching cop movies and stuff. Like, look. Just pay. You'll 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 hear the real deal. Whatever you believe, two bucks. pay two dollars, and we're probably going to say it. Hey, we're watching the propaganda, so you don't have to. Exactly, and it doesn't make you propagandized. Uh, but anyway, what what are we going to talk about next week, JT? Um, well, it's no secret I love women. <laughs> Uh, is that your thing now the um, woman lover i think that's always been my thing on this podcast <laughs> pretending to be gay for like five years and like, i guess i actually like women <laughs> true what about all the gay jokes were those all jokes those jokes? he's just progressed he's moved on. yeah i've yeah i've grown i've okay. done some growing and i'm actually painfully straight i'm pro growth so um but yeah so we're gonna talk about some women we're gonna talk Ooh. about three women uh, the 1977 uh, Robert Altman movie. Um, one, it's like a big Altman that I've been meaning to get to for a while, mm-hmm. but haven't. Um, and then I'm pairing that with uh, 2008's uh, All About Women uh, by Choi Hark. So sorry, folks, if you thought you're getting female director there. No female directors, <laughs> but movies about women nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> now I would hope that maybe your Patreon pick would make amends for that. Is it also is it directed by a woman? Um, we'll find that out a little bit later. <laughs> he said these are about women, so yeah. Goodbye. And we move now across into Sweden, the largest of the Scandinavian countries. And although we're looking at streets, it's a country full of mountains, lakes, and forests. And of course, it's full of blonde Vikings. And uh, this is one of the reasons why it's good for pictures. These are the ABBA group, born Frida. Anna, who's just beside her with the long blonde hair, and Benny. Uh, if you can work that out, that's why they're called Abba, because in fact it's Benny born Annie Fried and Anna. They made their first record in 1972, and uh, if all the judges were men, which they're not, I'm sure this group would get a lot of votes. You'll see why in a minute. The song is called, oh, and it's Napoleon. Napoleon, no wonder their song is called Waterloo. This is Sven Olaf Waldorf, who's really entered into the spirit of it all, dressed as Napoleon, waiting for Waterloo by ABBA for Sweden. Watch this one. Repeating